Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show. From the arts to sports and from business to history and everything in between, including your stories, send them to OurAmericanStories.com. They're some of our favorites. And our next story comes from a listener named Jamie Scott. Jamie used to be a Boy Scout troop leader. And this story is about an infamous snipe hunt in Georgia. Take it away, Jamie. I used to be in the Navy. I retired from the Navy in 1996. And I lived in 
various places up and down the East Coast, but one of my favorite places I lived was a place called Folkestone, Georgia. While I was there, I decided I wanted to get involved in scouting again. I had been an Eagle Scout, and I wanted to stay involved in scouting. So now that I was on shore duty, I thought it would be a great opportunity. I had a lot of boys in my troop. I had Hispanic boys, black boys, white boys, but they were all just boys. Boys, 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 just out to have fun. A couple of them have dads, most of them didn't. A couple of them had a few dollars to their name, most of them didn't. But anyway, I took these boys to summer camp at Camp Tolachi. The boys I took out on the troop, they really wanted to get involved, they wanted to do scouting, they wanted to learn, they wanted to shoot rifles and they wanted to pull archery and they wanted to canoe and a canoe and all these different things. So we were having a wonderful time, but one of the greatest parts of scouting, one of the greatest parts of growing up as a boy in the South, at least at the time that I was a kid, in the time that I was a scout leader, was the snipe hunt. Oh, the snipe hunt. The snipe hunt was awesome. These kids got excited. They were going to go out and, and capture the elusive snipe. But the thing is, in order to catch a snipe, you have to go out in the night, in the dark, in the woods, alone. And you have to sit out there all by yourself alone, hoping to catch a snipe. Now, how you say, how would I get a boy to sit out there in the woods alone to catch a snipe? Ah. Boys are not only adventurous, they're greedy. So what we would do is we would tell the boys that the snipes were these small ground running birds and we would even show them a picture in the Boy Scout handbook of the American snipe. It's a bird that uh, exists in the desert, but we would say that this bird also exists in the marshes of the swamps of Georgia and that this bird came in multiple colors depending upon what it was eating. You know, how a flamingo has a pink color because of the shrimp that it eats. Same thing with the snipes. Their feathers would be certain colors depending upon uh, the, what they were eating at the time. Some like to eat certain things, some like to eat other things, and it caused their feathers to change. But you never knew what you are going to run into. So, got these boys and we, we brought in... Uh, one of the members of the Order of the Arrow. He was a camp counselor, his name was Indy. That wasn't his real name, I honestly don't know his real name, but he went by the name Indy because Indiana Jones was the big movie at that time, and he had an Indiana Jones hat. And all the boys in the camp called him Indy. But Indy was in on our little snipe hunting escapade, and he was telling us how that, that the Order of the Arrow liked to make Indian headdresses, and they needed different color feathers in order to make the headdresses. And so what they would do is they would pay for feathers that could be purchased from the boys who were doing the snipe hunts. If they caught a red snipe, well, the red feathers, they were worth about $5 for every 50 feathers. But if they caught a yellow snipe, well, they were worth about $10 for every 50 feathers. But the real elusive prize was a purple snipe, and they were paying $100 for 50 feathers because they were so rare and everybody wanted the purple snipe feathers. Though the purple ones we wanted to catch were the most elusive and the most uh, expensive, they were also the most dangerous because they could actually bite you. And there had been known to be rabies. 
Well, we figured that if a kid got bit out in the woods by a snake, because there were poison snakes in the area, that at least they would react properly. So we taught them what to do about in case you were bitten by the rabid purple snipe. I know, I think we were crazy, but we just had so much fun with these kids and they bought it hook, line, and sinker. Well, three particular boys were going to be hunting at this time. It was a boy named John Roy, who was my senior patrol leader, and he had already been through snipe hunts before with his dad. But uh, there were three younger boys, Robert, Greg, and Curtis, and they had never been snipe hunting before. They were all excited about going snipe hunting. And so uh, we told them that we were going to go hunt. We were going to hunt these snipes in these different colors. And Robert, bless his heart, he just told me about the fact that his father hunted snipes all the time and had caught a whole bunch of them. And that they even had a picture album at home of all the pictures of the snipes that his dad had caught. And he figured if his dad could catch a whole bunch of them, he could catch too. Now, I don't know what kind of bull his dad had pulled on him. And you're listening to Jamie Scott, and he's telling his story of the Tolachi snipe hunt. And by the way, we're looking for your stories, and you can tell this is a listener's story. Go to ouramericanstories.com and go to the browser, and up by the navigator bar, you'll see your stories. Click your stories, and you'll see an easy-to-fill-out form, and just click send and send it to us, and we will look at it. These truly are our favorites, and they don't have to be mind-numbing, and they don't have to be grave or tragic they can be light and fun like this one and by the way what you're hearing is all paid for thanks to the generous donations of folks from around the country we're a nonprofit, our american stories but it's not free to make what we do here so if you're enjoying what you're listening to by all means send us a small donation five dollars ten dollars it all makes a difference when we come back more of the tolachi snipe hunt here on Our American Story. Folks, if you love the stories we tell about this great country, and especially the stories of America's rich past, know that all of our stories about American history, from war to politics to innovation, culture, and faith, are brought to us by the great folks at Hillsdale College, a place where students study all the things that are beautiful in life and all the things that are good in life. And if you can't get to Hillsdale, Hillsdale will come to you with their free and terrific online courses. Go to hillsdale.edu to learn more. And we continue with our American stories and Jamie Scott's story of a memorable snipe hunt that occurred when he was a Boy Scout troop leader at Tolachi Camp in Georgia. Here's Jamie with the rest of the story. Now the object is you tell the boy that he's going to catch a snipe. So what you do is you give him uh, a bag. We usually gave them a white plastic bag and a lot of people didn't want to give them but I, would wa I wanted to give them a flashlight and what they would do is I would tell them to put the, open the bag up. They had a stick also 
So they would take a stick and they would open the front of the bag like a trap and they would put the light behind the bag. And we would put them down at the end of a trail in a very quiet, dark spot. And then they were supposed to make this call of the snipe. The call of the snipe goes like this. Snipe? 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 We, on the other hand, would go back up the trail quite a ways. And we would get real quiet and wait. And the object was that snipes would hear the voice of the boy and would come towards the noise of the call of the other snipe. We would then come running down the trail as fast as we could and hopefully there would be a snipe in the trail who would be scared and he would run. Now snipes would run right at a light. That was what snipes did. Don't know why, but they did. That's a proven fact. You could ask any scientist that snipes run at, at lights. And so the boy would, the object was the snipe would run right at him and then he would run into the bag, you would shut the bag and take the stick and whack the snipe over the head and kill the snipe and boom, that's how you caught a snipe. In reality, we would get up to the end of the trail, we would call snipe, snipe, and he would think that he was hearing another snipe answering him back. So then we would make a run down the trail and usually somebody would get some sort of a rock or something like that and we would roll it ahead of us real fast and it would crash through the underbrush right next to the boy. And, and we said, we saw one on the trail. Did you see it? Did you see it? And uh, he would say, yeah, I think so. We would say, well, I didn't see what color it was. What, what was it? He says, it, it was green. It was green snipe. Oh, or it was a purple snipe. I saw it. <laughs> one boy told me it ran right between his legs. That's what he told me. But anyway, we'd go back up the trail, maybe run one more time, and then we'd tell him we're gonna wait just a little bit longer, give him more time to get set. And then we would just walk away. And we would go sit back at the campsite and wait for this boy to figure it out, come out of the woods, and ha ha, you've been got. So, we, uh, we went down to, I was doing the, the one with um, Greg, and uh, another boy was doing one with Robert. Another boy was doing one with Curtis. And uh, we decided to pull a trick and say, uh, uh, when we were running down, I was, supposed to, I was supposed to roll off into the woods and I was supposed to say that I was hurt. I was hurt and I was gonna yell that I'd been bitten by a rabbit snipe and Robert, and I was gonna ask uh, Greg to come save me. So I did. This boy got up and left. He went back to the other boys and they caught him coming out of the woods. They said, they said, Mr. Scott's in there. Said he's been bitten by a purple snipe. They said, well, go in there and get him. <laughs> I remember Greg, I heard him say it clearly, but he could, Mr. Scott been bit, he could just die. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. That was hilarious. We came out, patted him on the back, said, good job, buddy, you did great. So we came up and we saw the group that was running with Robert. Now, we decided, let's do it again. And Robert, and then uh, uh, Indy said, hey, that was a great idea you guys did over there. I want to do it here for Robert. Indy ran down inside there, he was yelling and screaming, trying to run the snipe. And then he shows off to the side, says, oh, help me, Robert, help. Robert, I've been hurt. Now Robert, Robert, again, bless his heart, he wanted to help so bad. 
he went running and crashing through the underbrush going, Indy, Indy, where are you, Indy? Well, Indy had got out the other side of the, of the thicket that we were in, and he ran around to another angle and said, I'm over here, Robert, I'm over here. And you could hear Robert change direction and come toward him and say, Indy, Indy, where are you, Indy? And Indy ran around to another side, and, and he was saying, I'm over here, Robert, I'm over here. And Indy, and Robert said, Indy, stay still so I can find you. Oh, it was all we could do not to hurt ourselves. And we were right up against another troop's campsite, and the scoutmasters were just looking at us, and jaws hanging open, and we were rolling, and they were listening to this whole thing. So we decided just to go on down the road. Uh, and go see what was going on with Curtis and leave Robert thrashing around looking for Indy trying to save him. I know we sound terrible, but gosh, this was fun. So we go down and we're looking for Curtis and we're about to do the same thing. Curtis had just come out of the woods and he was done and he kind of, they kind of, his didn't go so well. It's kind of, you know, we didn't get anything. We didn't see anything. It was kind of a, a weak snipe hunt, but it wasn't over yet. Because as we're standing there talking to the group with Curtis, we hear, Indy, Indy, where are you, Indy? Robert is still searching, and now he's out on a he's out on a dirt road, and he's heading down the road towards us. And Indy turns around and says, Over here, Robert, help me. So he laid down on the ground in the moonlight. And we kinda all snuck into the woods a little bit. And Robert comes down the road, he sees Indy, and he comes running to him. And just before he gets there, we jump out and we yell, boo, all at once. Robert just jumped back and he fell back right on his back. And he gets up and he's crying and everything else like this. And of course, I really felt bad. But he goes, what you guys do that for? Indy's been bitten and I'm trying my best to save him. Indy's hurt. He's been bitten. Oh, oh uh, this is still on. This is still going. He is real wrapped up in what he's doing. He doesn't realize this is still a joke. But what the heck? We'll still play with it. So, of course, Indy is all into this. He's swooning, oh, oh. So we picked him up. We did a, 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 a carry, you know, a couple of us picked him and we carried him to a campsite and we laid him on the table and we're trying to figure out what to do with him. He said, he's been bit by that rabid snipe. We got, we got to get a doctor. We got to get a doctor. Well, here goes Curtis. Now, Curtis was the smallest of the scouts at the time and he was young and he was quick. And Curtis says, I'll get a doctor. And boom, he was gone running as fast as he could down the dirt road towards the camp office. I thought, oh my goodness, he's going to go out there and he's going to have to call 911. So I am running and lugging myself down the road chasing this little fella. And he runs into the camp office and he comes, throws in there, yells a few things, comes flying out. And uh, uh, I, I, I said, go back and help out. And I ran into office and there's Robert, Robin Ray, who was the, the uh, camp director. And he slept in the office. He had a uh, a bunk in there and he's standing in his underwear about a half asleep picking up the phone looking at me like what's going on I, i've got a i've got a, a an injured scout what happened i said robert robin don't worry about it go back to sleep it, i'll tell you about it in the morning there's no problem just go back to sleep <laughs> and he turned around and crawled back into bed so i headed back down to the campsite and uh, Curtis's banner saying, you know, the, the medical's on the way. India is still, I mean, India's playing it up, man. Now he, he's talking deliriously. He's asking for his mother. He's, he sees his dead grandfather. He's doing all sorts of stuff. And Robert is just dancing around. And Greg, well, Greg knows what's going on by now, but Greg is not saying anything. Finally, we said, oh, okay, you know, let's just, uh, 
let's just take a break. I said, guys, we pulled a joke on you. I said, uh, you know, we, we pulled a joke on you, Curtis, pulled a joke on you. I said, you know, there's no such thing as, you know, this isn't real. There's no purple snipe. He wasn't bitten. He wasn't hurt. So it's okay. Um, don't worry about it. It's not a problem. And, uh, and everybody kind of ha-ha laughs a little bit. Andy sits up, got a big grin. Robert looks at us and straight as an arrow. He says, I, I knew you guys were goofing the whole time because this is not how you really hunt snipe. I know, because my dad has been snipe hunting, and he's told me, and, and we've got pictures in the album on our table at home. Priceless. Priceless. And you've been listening to Jamie Scott tell the story of the Tolachi snipe hunt in Camp Tolachi, Georgia. A great listener's story here on Our American Story. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. 
The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. This is Our American Stories, and up next, Mark McRae from the Bronx, New York, was a programmer at Cartoon Network. He also was a part of a team that helped launch another Cartoon Network channel, Boomerang. He's now the programmer for another Cartoon Network channel, Adult Swim. Mark McRae is the author of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. Here he is to tell the story of Saturday morning cartoons and answer the all-important question, What happened to them? Now, I know that many of us have memories of waking up on Saturday morning and with a bowl of cereal and, you know, watching our favorite cartoons. Saturday morning had been around for a long time, you know, um, really at the beginning of of the television age. And uh, the first... Uh, official Saturday morning cartoon dates all the way back to December 10th, 1955 uh, with the Mighty Mouse Playhouse. Hi boys and girls, here we go, rocketing into a fun-filled, exciting cartoon show. So these were theatrical shorts featuring Mighty Mouse. Uh, CBS had bought the library and repackaged all of these old Mighty Mouse cartoons into a Saturday morning show. But again, it was 1955 and it wasn't a lot of strategy. And the trend would continue through the 1960s. Uh, you had a lot of primetime cartoons like the Flintstones and Top Cat and Alvin and the Chipmunks. All right now, boys, how about a little dinner music? Okay, Dave, what are we singing? Some of those uh, shows were not as successful in primetime and the networks would, instead of just uh, taking them off the air completely, would move those shows to Saturday morning. So in the beginning, Saturday morning sort of became like a dumping ground for the networks. And once those shows were placed on Saturday morning, guess what? They just became a huge, huge success. Fast forward to the 1966 season, And there is a young executive at CBS named Fred Silverman who really wants to make changes. However, you know, CBS is the number one primetime network. They're number one in the daytime where all the soap operas and game shows are airing. And so the only thing that he was allowed to really fiddle with was Saturday morning. And he knew that the Batman series that was airing over on ABC featuring Adam West was um, doing huge ratings and that there was this huge superhero trend that was going on. And Fred Silverman knew that creating any type of superhero series and bringing bringing that series to Saturday morning would, um, would definitely elevate CBS's Saturday morning schedule. So he worked with a fledgling new company called Filmation Associates, and they produced The New Adventures of Superman during the 1966-67 season, 
Also airing that same year was Hanna-Barbera's Space Ghost series, as well as the Lone Ranger cartoon. The New Adventures of Superman produced huge, huge ratings, bigger ratings than anyone had ever seen previously on Saturday morning. The year before, there was a Beatles cartoon that was based on the, the famous rock band that had the biggest ratings, but Superman's ratings blew those ratings away, and people were just amazed by it. Not only did Superman do really well during this time period, it, the series created what every network wants, which is a halo effect. So that means that not only did the kids stick around to watch Superman, they watched Space Ghost, they watched The Lone Ranger, and the entire CBS Saturday morning schedule. And the network went from number three to number one, sort of upsetting the previous year winner, ABC, because the ABC uh, had the Beatles cartoon. And so people started thinking, you know what? We can actually start making big money on Saturday morning cartoons. And so the following year, you had the industry just grow with Hanna-Barbera producing like six new superhero shows and ABC realizing that they lost to Superman. Uh, there was an executive there. His name was Ed Vane. And Ed Vane, I give props to Ed Vane because Ed Vane immediately commissioned Marvel shows, Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four to go up against DC-inspired Superman. And in my opinion, that was like the best counter-programming move ever from the 1967 season. And then, of course, following all of that, you know, the, the, the industry started to change. And um, the next thing you know, the Archies came in. And, and the Archies, which was based on the Archie comic book series, those ratings outbeat Superman. And, and the next thing you know, everyone wanted to see teenagers and rock bands on Saturday morning. And then Josie and the Pussycats and Scooby-Doo came along and the Jackson 5 following that. Even the Harlem Globetrotters uh, had music associated with Saturday morning cartoons. And then in 1974, you had your first live action superhero series, Shazam, which which really drew big ratings. And another company called Sid and Marty Croft Productions, they got into the Saturday morning game uh, with puppetry and live action, producing shows such as H.R. Puffin Stuff, Lidsville, and uh, The Land of the Lost, which was a, a huge hit for NBC Saturday morning as well. And so the sponsorships were there, there was scheduling, there was ratings, there was programming strategy, everything that primetime already had on television, everything that regular daytime already had, Saturday morning had finally joined uh, the big time. And it was wonderful, exciting, and fun, and animators were being employed, and people were working in the industry, and everything was just gr growing and flowing. However, there was also a Saturday morning backlash that occurred. Uh, so with all of the superhero programming, a lot of Christian groups and parent groups were concerned that there was too much violence on television. You have to remember, this is the age of uh, Vietnam. The Vietnam War was going on, and the Vietnam War was being played on the 6 o'clock news every night. 
and people were concerned that uh, that kids were seeing the news as well as watching uh, violent Saturday morning cartoons. And so when the Archies came in and, you know, uh, demonstrated huge ratings, that was sort of the logical answer that things need to be toned down just a bit. This also sort of created a little bit of censorship on Saturday morning as well, because a group that was created called Action for Children's Television, they sort of became the censorship group, a grassroots group that lobbied in Washington to try to have certain laws changed regarding children's programming. And you've been listening to Mark McRae talk about, well, the advent and development of Saturday morning programming and Saturday morning cartoons. And by the way, we we tell stories like this all the time, especially art stories, all of this creativity, often coming from a business environment and a business schematic. We need to go catch viewers. And the next thing he says, we have animators working, businesses humming, and this is the miracle of free enterprise. And that cuts right to even our sports and entertainment worlds. And that's why we tell stories about them, because, well, without these opportunities and freedoms, where do these animators get jobs? When we come back, more of Mark McRae's story about Saturday morning cartoons and Saturday morning television here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. And we're back with Our American Stories and Mark McRae telling the story of Saturday morning cartoons. He's also the author of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. Now back to Mark with the rest of the story. A group that was created called Action for Children's Television, they sort of became the censorship group, a grassroots group that lobbied in Washington to try to have certain laws changed regarding children's programming. And for a long time, they wielded a a lot of power over um, Saturday morning television. For example, if a story was written for a Saturday morning cartoon, then they had the right to look over the story and make changes. But for, for example, there was an episode of Josie and the Pussycats where... The villain is chasing the pussycats through the kitchen, and the original scene called for their mascot, Sebastian, to hide in a pot. And when Action for Children's Television got a hold of that story, they decided, no, we can't show a cat hiding in a pot because some kid at home might actually try to put their own, you know, pet cat in a, in a pot. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that assessment. But anyway, the scene was changed so that when the villain ran in the kitchen, all of the Josie and the Pussycats cast was hiding. And suddenly you see Sebastian jump out of the pot and start to run because he, the cat thinks it's going to be discovered. So that was the compromise. The, the compromise was that Sebastian would already be in the pot when the villain showed up in the kitchen looking for uh, the kids on that particular show. So a lot of this went on for a long time through the 70s and through the 80s where you had a lot of superhero shows which had a lot of action, but no one could actually throw a punch. And that trend would really continue all the way through the 1990s. But anyway, uh, I'm not trying to jump ahead, but... You know, you had all this exciting programming in the 70s, and then when you hit the 1980s, things sort of change again. There's sort of this uh, deregulation during the Reagan era, and the toy show is born. He-Man and the Masses of the Universe and G.I. Joe become huge hits, and you're getting first-run syndication in the afternoon. 
The Smurfs also show up on Saturday morning, uh, uh, which was a successful Belgian comic book as well as animated series um, in the past, and they do huge ratings for NBC. Smurf Prince! <laughs> it won't be long now, as we have. <laughs> and the Smurfs actually create a halo effect for NBC's Saturday morning after that network was in third place for a long time. So you sort of have this cutesy era happening in the 80s, along with toy shows, along with game shows like Hubert and Donkey Kong being brought to Saturday morning as well. Dungeons and Dragons was a huge, huge hit for CBS that was made in the 80s as well. And uh, the trend pretty much continued through the early digital age of the 1990s. And so in the fall of 1992, NBC drops out of the Saturday morning game and they decide that if they could make more money through advertising and, and revenue by having a Saturday morning version of the Today Show. This decision was mainly done because there was a new law that was passed called the Children's Television Act. And what this act said, it was an FCC ruling that said that all networks had to have three hours of educational television running on the air. The other ruling also said that the Television Act reduced advertising on the weekend. So during the week, advertising could be like anywhere from 12 minutes. But on the weekend, advertising could only be 10 minutes. And so that meant that was reduced time in, for advertisers on the weekend. And that also meant reduced revenue for the networks. So there were a lot of changes. And for the most part, the networks just ignored the changes. And as NBC exited, Fox Kids came into play by creating their own Saturday morning block. The block was created by a woman named Margaret Lesh, and she created the X-Men series that premiered in 1992, as well as Power Rangers. And when those shows took off, the next thing you know, Fox Kids is number one, and they are also creating a halo effect. And it sort of puts CBS and ABC on notice that they need to start readjusting their schedules and getting shows and programming to compete with Fox. So when Fox got into the game, they totally dominated Saturday morning and they created a real destination for kids again. And so the 90s, in my opinion, was sort of like the last hurrah for Saturday morning. But because of the rules that were imposed by the FCC, um, it became increasingly harder for networks to compete on Saturday morning. Plus, you know, you had the day, you know, Nickelodeon had been around for a while with the 24-hour network that was very successful. In 1992, Cartoon Network launched, and they had mostly the Hanna-Barbera, uh, MGM, and Looney Tunes library. So uh, the competition was getting really tight on the kids' side of the business, and networks were increasingly being squeezed out of Saturday morning because if you're a kid and you can watch cartoons all day, every day, um, why would you wait just to watch on Saturday morning? It's almost like the appeal 
of Saturday morning was sort of going away and it was it was becoming an old idea and the kids growing up in the 1990s and early 2000s they were their viewing habits started to change and you know so waiting for a show to to come on Saturday wasn't that big of a deal whereas you know back in the day kids waited all week just to see their Saturday morning cartoons so we start to roll around the night around the 2000s and uh, Saturday morning is still going it's holding on by a thread and you have a new player enter the game and it's the WB network and the WB networks they also start creating new shows like uh, the Legion of Superheroes and um, after the WB's Saturday morning went away um, there really hasn't been any Saturday morning again. I mean, I feel like the broadcasters threw in the towel and that was the end. I mean, it was regulation from the FCC with the Children's Television Act, uh, less revenue that can be made on the weekend, also a sort of destroyed Saturday morning, and the network's not being able to compete with the cable networks that had kids programming on 24 hours a day. So I feel like those are the three things that killed Saturday morning programming. However, the silver lining is that it wouldn't be a kid's 24-hour kid network unless Saturday morning didn't prove itself as a money-making revenue driver, strategy, programming, a production on the networks every week for 30 to 40 years. So, uh, but these guys, these amazing men and women working in the animation industry still manage to inspire and entertain. And that's why I always take my hat off to them because they were probably working under the, you know, like crazy conditions, you know, having to deliver a cartoon in a week you know, like dur- during the the theatrical days. So like a Tom and Jerry back in the 1940s, they had a boatload of money to make the cartoon and they had up to a year to make it. These guys didn't have a year to make one cartoon. And uh, so there were a lot of things working against them. And I feel like sometimes when, you know, you don't necessarily have all the bells and whistles to make your creative cartoon or animation. I feel like, It makes you work harder because you have to step up to the challenge and find new ways to tell stories in animation or live action. And great job, as always, to Greg Hengler and to Mark McRae for telling this story. And by the way, you can go to his website. The initials are tbsoul.com, T-B-S-O-O-L.com. And his book is The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. And what a great story about innovation and creativity. During those 30 or 40 years, we got all that content so people could watch it when they want and where they want. You get some good and you get some bad with technology, but we're never going back. The story of Saturday morning cartoons, a great era in American television, here on Our American Stories. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth no matter who you are. Mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.